Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott. I'm here with my co-host, Dean Manchi. And today's episode is going to be a series of episodes that we keep doing with each other. It's going to be called Sharpening the Edge. Okay. And basically what we want to do is we want to give some real life examples based on a few of the guests that we've had and really how to apply it to your life. So I think, you know, having great guests is, is a great thing for a podcast to have and, and whatnot. But you know, our goal is to make these, you know, golden nuggets that they share very applicable to everybody's uh, athletes and coaches and things like that. And Dean, this was, you know, I want to bring you out real quick here. This, this was kind of your idea, you know, you thought about it and, and, and ways to get as much information to our kids and athletes. So kind of give us your thoughts on, on why we want to do the, the sharpening the edge and, and things like that. When we talked, Brian, you know, we wanted something as far as our podcast, the, the name that would really stick out just for the podcast itself. And we talked about Get Your Edge because it was our whole mission is to be able to give coaches, athletes, and, and parents, and anybody that's listening to the podcast, some golden nuggets and some knowledge bombs in order to help them get better. And uh, we talked about our great guests that we have. And boy, the first two guests were incredible with Alec Ingold and then also head coach at Kimberly, Steve Jones. And uh, we have an athlete's perspective and we have a coach's perspective. And now sharpening the edge is all about, hey, we're in a technology technological era right now kids got iPhones and they can you know they got knowledge in their palm of their hand but yeah. now how do you take this knowledge and then put this knowledge to action so if I'm a coach out there you know we go to clinics we go to conferences and we get all these learning opportunities to get better but now how do I take what is being said in the episodes in the podcast and now how do I take that information and make it my own because every school district's different. Every team is different. Every business is different. And that's what sharpening the edges is all about. And I think, Brian, with all of our experience, over 50 years of dealing with all kinds of athletes and dealing with lots of different coaches, we have, are very grateful to have the opportunity to work with some unbelievable coaches. Yes. I mean, look at yourself with just Barry Alvarez. I mean, he, he's the face of Wisconsin as far as coaches go. And, um, and again, we want to take this experience as kind of give some little bit of our information as far as some stories, some things that you have seen at the University of Wisconsin when you were a strength coach there and what I've seen. And then, hey, let our viewers take this information and then try to make it to in the best version of themselves to help their programs and to help them grow as coaches and athletes. No, and I think that's great because, you know, success is, is really something that, different coaches and different athletes find in different ways, but we, we, we seem to find kind of the same parameters are there, you know, these coaches, just the wording and, and, and things like that. So the best part for our viewers is really, this is going to be like what we do on a daily basis. I mean, when we talk about things, you're going to get kind of how we interact with each other and how we really grow both as coaches together um, and share information and things like that. So I think one of the, one of the things that is, that is really important for athletes and coaches, and, and both our guests talked about this, um, in order to have success, you have to be consistent. And consistency, you know, for us, a sports advantage, real quick before I get it back to you, um, is one of our pillars in our culture. And we talk to our kids about being consistent all the time. And, you know, I've, I've done clinics with you, you know, we've done strength and conditioning clinics and, and things like that for various high schools and 
you know, in our facilities and stuff like that. And we've had coach Jones with us a few times and the, the water, the bamboo story is something that he shares all the time, you know, and with Kimberly football, the hashtag water it is, you know, something that is very synonymous with your program. And so I think sharing with some of our coaches, you know, how you guys go about being consistent and, and basically watering the bamboo every day. Um, I think it's going to give them a, a, a huge help in how to kind of implement this in their programs. And it doesn't have to be the water, the bamboo. It's just the thought process is how can we be consistent in our program? So maybe share that with us with what you do at Kimberly. You know, as far as the strength and conditioning coach at the high school, you know, we know, Brian, we've done just about every kind of program out there in all of our years of experience, whether it's a tier system, it's a conjugate, it's linear periodization, nonlinear, triphasic, whatever the program is, we all know that you have to be consistent. And, and that's the biggest thing the water of the bamboo is all about. And, you know, not only as athletes are we trying to educate them, but coaches as well. I know one of Steve Jones' biggest things is, hey, as coaches, we got to water it too. And we got to consistently learn and get better. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. We are continually learning. We got these great guests on. We're learning. We do this all the time. You and I are talking on a daily basis. But, you know, now you're hearing it from different people. You're hearing it from an NFL player. You're hearing it from a coach that is very successful as far as, you know, the 70-game winning streak. So water to bamboo is very important. And what I've really seen throughout is, you know, some freshman comes in. You know, and they get into that weight room. It's an intimidating experience for them. And they're looking up at these seniors like, holy cow, you know, how am I ever going to get that strong? What do I got to do to be able to get to that level? And you cannot control a lot of your growth spurts. Right. You know, they, that person might have the growth spurt maybe their senior year, maybe a little bit later. But it's all about if you continue to just focus on the day-to-day and not worry about something that's way, way far out there, you will continually get better. And we've seen that with all kinds of weight training programs, you know, and if you work out nine weeks and then you don't do anything for nine weeks, boy, you're back down to square one. Right. And I think, you know, that's one thing that I think our coaches need to hear is, you know, everybody runs, you know, everybody runs a great summer program, right. They get a bunch of their athletes in and stuff like that. But all of a sudden, once they get to the fall, you know, these athletes disperse and they don't have a plan for them. And, you know, it's at sports advantage, you know, when we talk to, you know, we're opening a new facility in Wanakee here in a, in a week. And, you know, I met with about 40 different parents, you know, over the course of this week, um, as they did evaluations and stuff like that. And, you know, the message we send with regards to consistency to, to all of our kids, you know, and our parents, and everything like that. If you can train two to three times a week, commit to that every week for a year, you know, and if you can be consistent two or three times a week and train like that for a year, you're going to get between 100 to 150 sessions in. You're guaranteed to get better. You're going to get better. And that doesn't mean that your, your, your 1RMs or all those other things are going to go up 100 pounds, okay? I mean, it's short, short increases, um, but it's built over time. And I think that's where successful programs are built. And that's where, you know, successful athletes are built. They understand that, like you said, in nine weeks, it's great. But what are we doing after that? How are we going to continue to get better? Because, you know, Coach Alvarez used to always say, you either get better or you get worse. 
And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse because if you're staying the same, all right, someone's passing you, you know? And so from a consistency standpoint, you know, being able to repeat those daily habits on a day-to-day basis is so important. You know, and one of the things that Alex shared, I thought was awesome when, you know, he was talking about um, when he went to camp and was trying to, you know, make the team and all this stuff. He was talking about blocking for Josh Jacobs and, and that stuff. And it's not a glamorous job to be a fullback. But when he said, you know, I do my job as well as I can, every play, every snap, every practice, every time I lift, I do it the best I can. And that's why he's in the NFL, because you can count on him. And Dean, you guys know us, right? You want players that you can count on. So you don't want surprises, right? That's the last thing you want as a coach is a surprise, right? Like a, uh, yep, like a, a message or something like that, right? And when we talk about consistency, the biggest thing I see, and what a lot of coaches call, you know, and they talk to me and our success at uh, Kimberly High School is, you know, a lot of people are consistent. And then right when the sport coach gets into their season and their time is a little uh, more valuable to them as far as maybe the scheme and for the skill and practice time. And then all of a sudden they don't, they don't consistently lift during the in season. And we know as strength and conditioning coaches that if you right after about two, three weeks and it'll research is going to switch a little bit and change, but around there, you know, you're going to start to decrease your power output and then you increase your chance of injury. So why would you work so hard in the off season, get into your in season, and then all of a sudden not lift for an extended period of time. And that's when we talk in our program, how important it is to make sure that we are understanding what the best interest of our student athletes is, is they have to continue to lift all year round through a program out of season, in season. And you know what, sport coaches, sport coaches fear what they don't know. And most sport coaches do not know strength and conditioning. And that's where the strength and conditioning coach has got to sit down with that sport coach. And you got to work together because again, it's all about the athlete. And it's about injury prevention. It's about athletic performance. And you know what? Sport coaches, you don't have to be a guru in strength and conditioning, and it doesn't have to be your main thing. Your main thing is, hey, you're a baseball coach, you're a wrestling coach, you're a soccer coach, whatever coach, a track coach. But when you go in there with your team, and Steve talked about with culture and and all the other stuff, that is part of your practice plan. And that is part of your group working together. And you know what? Sport coach, when you go into that weight room, now you just became a strength and conditioning coach too. Right. And, and, and you have to put that cap on. And if you're over there on the whiteboard or you're on your phone and you're not paying attention to the kids and not showing how important this is, guess what? It's not going to work. Because Alex said the perfect thing. High school kids know what a BS meter is. Yep. They know it. And they know if you're genuine or not. And so sport coaches... If you're not comfortable, we totally understand that as strength and conditioning coaches. Now we're there to help you during this time. But guess what? You still have to take that part over and put the strength and conditioning cap on because it's your team. It's your in season. Right. And I think, you know, one of the one of the coolest things we did when I was at Wisconsin for the th- three years I had the offensive line 
is really build a culture of, of how important the in-season training was from a consistency standpoint. Because, you know, you have the last week of the summer and guys are maxing out and they're doing, and it, you know, but as, as strength coaches, you know, everybody says we maintain during the season. Well, if your kid squatted 500 pounds, you know, on, you know, July 31st, um, you better have them squatting 500 pounds, you know, at the end of November, because that's when championships are won, you know, and we had guys, you know, PRing at the end of the year, which means they squatted more or bench more, you know, we had it with across the board with sports. And the other thing that you brought up was injury prevention is that, you know, once you start not training in the weight room for two or three weeks, like we said, detraining sets in. But the other thing that people don't understand is then in order for an athlete to continue to move at the level that they were moving at two or three weeks ago, they have to work harder. So the body breaks down faster. And so they can't recover as fast. And so as athletes, you know, we're speaking, I'm speaking to you guys right now is that, yes, we know whether you're a swimmer, whether you're a basketball player, baseball player, you're going to get some soreness during the season. You have to still get up out of bed. You know, you have to get a good breakfast. You have to make sure you're hydrated and you still have to continue to train because the more you put it off, all right, the more setbacks you're going to have. And soreness and injury, I think as athletes, you'd rather be sore and kind of battle through it a little bit versus risk the opportunity for injury, all right? And injury kind of leads us into our next topic that both guys really talked about, and that's adversity, you know? And, and adversity is going to hit um, all athletes and all coaches, right? We're going we're gonna to have situations that maybe we can't control, Dean, but, you know, we can control how we respond to them. And Coach Bielema had a, had a great comment. Um, it's not what happens. It's how you respond to it, right? You're going to get, you know, as an athlete, you're going to get a setback. You're going to get something, maybe, a, a, maybe even an official calls you for, you know, a foul in basketball that you don't even touch the guy, but you know what? it's really how you respond to that. So Dean, talk, talk to us how you guys share, talk about that at Kimberly with adversity. Cause I know that's something that, and I've watched some of your games and man, your guys, you know, you guys do not flinch when there's adverse situations, you know, and Steve talked about, um, you know, you rely on your training, you know, so kind of share, share a little bit about adversity with how you guys handle that over there at Kimberly. You know, the biggest thing with adversity is I always tell all of our athletes, and I get this from Steve Jones, is there's no built-ins. You know, if, if it's bad weather out there, you know, everybody's got to play in it. You know, so you can't have a built-in excuse. I didn't get enough sleep, so I'm not going to perform very good. You know, Alec brought up the great thing is, hey, he was scared to death right. when he went from high school to college. And I think that is a situation that I hear all the time. You know, you're going to go a few states over, and you're going to jump into that college. And now you're dealing with people that have been training that are older, that are bigger, that are faster, that are stronger, that have more experience. And, you know, he was scared to death. I think Steve Jones, you know, when he talked about, you know, when he decided to bring love and we'll talk a little bit about that yep. later in the next, you know, couple of topics. But when he went to that, he was a little bit scared because football is a toughness sport. Right. And you start right. to bring love into that, you know, th that that can be very scary as well. So, you know, in life, we're going to have lots of adverse situations and we have to be able to deal with them. And we always are constantly telling our athletes, say, 
this, this is the thing that sports can really teach you. And this is why businesses love to hire employees that have been involved in sports, co-curricular activities and everything, because not everything is going to go your way. Right. And, you know, you see it in a football game, there's an interception, you know, there's a fumble, you know, somebody misses a field goal or you miss a shot or, you know, whatever the situation is, you have to be able to kind of take that, park it and say, you know, I'm going to move on. A lot of times, you know, sport teams, they get a loss and then right away that loss becomes another loss because they're too worried about, you know, the previous game and they don't park it. They just don't let it, you know, leave them. And now it starts to become a mind game. Right. You can't let the same team beat you twice. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, And so many teams let that happen or, you know, Hey, I'm up in, you know, up at the baseball plate and I I strike out and now I go up to the plate again and I'm thinking, Hey, I'm going to strike out again. So you, you have to be able to adjust in any type of adverse situation. You have to look at it as another opportunity, right? You got to take a loss is okay. We're going to learn from the loss. And now we're going to take that and we're going to learn from it. And then we are going to improve and get better. Right. And I think like adversity shows itself in all forms of life too. You know, I mean, it, it shows up in the classroom. It shows up, you know, on the competitive field. For us, it, it shows up in the workplace. And, you know, there, there's always going to be a little bit of fear that's going to associate itself with adverse situations. It's new, you know, and, and you know, again, I re- revert back to Coach Alvarez, you know, never fear change, embrace change, you know, embrace change. Because if you don't embrace um, you know, the opportunity for change or the opportunity for adversity, you're never going to be able to kind of see what's on the other side. You know, if you're always stay, kind of sitting in your comfort zone, that's great. But people who sit in their comfort zone usually don't reach their full potential, you know, and, and it's really easy athletes to, to, to be in that comfort zone and be like, I, you know, I feel really good with what I'm doing. I'm, I'm this, I'm, you know, I'm a starter. I am this, that, but, you know, putting yourself out there a little bit is the only way you really find out, you know, what your true potential is. And, you know, for me as a, as a business owner too, I can share this. I mean, facing adversity over the last year was, I mean, it punched me right in the face. You know, I mean, it was got to shut the gym down for two and a half months. Um, how are we going to handle that? You guys face the same thing at Kimberly. What do we get? How are we going to get our athletes to be engaged? How are we going to, how am I going to get my staff to be engaged and you can either you know worry about it complain about it blame you know bcd you know blame complain and and um I'm trying to think of the other word I'm drawing a blank here <laughs> um but you you can do that um or you can you know attack it and that's what we chose to do you know we chose to do that with our athletes you know and our athletes followed suit so as coaches if if there's an adverse situation and the first thing you do to your athletes is complain. Well, you can't expect them not to complain because they're just going to follow your lead. You know, a lot of times we say, well, kids have changed and things like that. Well, kids will, I've found this and we've been in a lot of, a bunch of different schools uh, where culture has been brought up and we want to change the culture, stuff like that. Kids will follow our lead. You know, they want, they want to follow someone that's going to lead them into success. And so if, if we give them the blueprint by if something, you know, adverse happens, if something bad happens and we say, okay, on to the next, you know, win the next moment, 
you know, stuff like that. Your kids and athletes, you will understand that that's how we handle stuff. It's just what we do, right? Steve brought that up. You know, is this that? No, this is how we do things. Okay. If something, if a penalty gets called, or like if I'm a thrower and I get called for a scratch and I don't think I scratch, okay, walk down, pick up the shot, throw the next one. You know, and and as coaches, if we model that to our athletes, they're going they're going to be able to do that, right? You know, and I think too, talking to a lot of uh, strength and conditioning coaches and and sport coaches out there, you know, with the COVID, all of a sudden we're sending information out there, workouts, yep. you know, online, and, and we're trying to hold these kids accountable, and we're we're moving equipment because of the distancing thing and to try to make things work. So like I always tell our athletes, if it's important enough to you, you will find a way. Right. And I think that's what the best athletes did during this COVID is we're not going to take this and use it as a negative for our instance. We had a lot more training time than we've ever had because the kids haven't played football for a year and a half. So we take that and we used it as a big positive is that we've had a lot more training time and therefore kids were able to gain more weight, get a lot stronger, you know, and you know what these juniors now that are playing spring football, they're like seniors almost here. Right. Because it's going to go right into boom summer and then they're going to go right back into football. So we kind of took a lot of that negativity, turned it into a positive, Yep. you know, and that kind of leads into our next thing here is, with a lot of athletes, you know, we talked about Alec actually mentioned it was all about hard work and dedication. You yeah. know, he comes in your gym at Sports Advantage and, and he's ready to get after it. He's yeah. ready to work his tail off. And uh, a lot of these athletes, they got to understand with a little adversity is they have to attack it and they got to believe in themselves. Right. And I think that's what a good strength and conditioning coach does, a good sport coach is with working with that individual in a weight room setting, they can really develop that confidence with the training process. So now when they get into their sport, they're much more confident. And I know Joe Ken, you know, famous strength and conditioning coach. He's been an NFL coach and, and he's well-respected out there. He always says the number one trait that the weight room teaches kids is it gives them confidence. Yep. And, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And once they start seeing the body change and the mind change and they bring that confidence, they're a whole different person. And that goes back to what we talked about with water and the bamboo. Right. Is some of these, you know, coaches say, ah, this freshman, he's not very good. He's not playing very much, you know, and you watch them change in a year or two of cons being consistent, like we talked about. And then boom, all of a sudden they're an all-conference player. And the same thing with coaches. I think if you got coaches on your staff and they're inexperienced, if you're a great head coach, you're mentoring those coaches underneath you, giving them the role that they're comfortable in, but let them have some autonomy to continue to have that growth mindset and then watch those coaches become a lot better. Right. I look at, you know, when I started teaching, started coaching and now the difference of how much better of a teacher and a coach I am just through the experience that's part of the process right and uh, again that's very important but kids got to really believe once they start believing that light bulb that aha moment comes 
That's what's so exciting for what we do, Brian. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you referred to Alec, I mean, his comment was bet on yourself, right. As an athlete, you know, as a coach as well, you know, typically your, your beliefs, your gut instinct, and, and, you know, a lot of us have strong gut instincts. Usually your gut instinct is right. You know, you should, you should train yourself to follow that gut instinct, you know, and I can use Alec as an example. I remember having him after his pro day, you know, and he came in, he trained hard, you know, and, and, um, you know, I think there was a little optimism of, of going to the Raiders and seeing what he could do, you know, and then after his season, you know, when, yeah, when he came back to me, I saw a completely different guy. It was like, you know, he, he had put his foot in the water. Um, he had had a great rookie season. And then when he came back, I mean, the confidence from getting out there, um, from betting on himself, he was back and, and, and he was like, we need to do this. I need to get this. I need to get this. So his confidence grew um, immensely over the course of just playing a year. And we see that with athletes, right? And, and you talked about the weight room, Dean. Um, the greatest moment, I think, for us as strength coaches is when we have, and, and a lot of kids and even parents are, op, you know, a little, you know, pessimistic or a little, you know, wondering how the weight room is going to help their kid or how, you know, I, this is going to help me. And the greatest moments for us as strength coaches, I think, is when a kid, you know, buys in, they, they you know, we say, hey, trust us right now. And they trust us. Three months later, they come back and they're like, coach, I was able to touch the rim first time. I can tell I'm getting stronger. I'm that confidence. And all of a sudden there, that light bulb goes on, like you said, and all of a sudden they understand, Hey, this isn't just, you know, making my appearance better. This is going to make my performance better. And like we talk about sports advantage, we're athlete specific, you know, I'm athlete specific strength coach, which means Dean, I'm going to make you a better athlete. Okay, so you're going to have, you know, you're going to be able to move better. You're going to be able to hopefully jump higher. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more mobile. So when you walk onto that basketball court or in the track or whatever, your sport, your sport coach will have a better product to work with to make you a better thrower, a better basketball player. So that's when you talked about sport coaches, that's where the connection is. Let us make the kids better athletes. And then we'll present this product to you kind of like Christmas morning, you open it up, you're like, oh my gosh, this shiny new, you know, object or whatever that you get to utilize and, and make into a better player. And that's where the connection comes. Okay. And then once kids start seeing the connection there, Hey, I can run faster. I was able to cover this guy. You know, I couldn't cover him last year. This year I was able to stay right with him. I could, you know, and things like that, those connective points. Then as a coach, you have to immediately, immediately reiterate, man, you know, you've worked your tail off, you know, so see what your hard work has done. Okay. So then athletes understand hard work allows me to be a better athlete in all phases of my game. So talking about, you know, confidence, I got a story that I want to share about a, about a kid that played with my son, Cameron, um, played youth football, um, he wasn't one of the best athletes and he knows this, you know, and he'll know that I'm talking about him. Uh, I'm not going to share his name, but, um, you know, through youth football really, you know, had some confidence issues, stuff like that, but kept playing. Cause he loved the game of football. He loved being around the team, which a lot of kids do. Um, and, you know, started training at my gym and he, you know, like I said, he wasn't the most gifted kid, but he came every day. He came, you know, all four days a week, 
you know, and then ran into some issues, you know, some family issues where he could only be there, you know, once or twice a week. And I said, you know what? I said, I got some things around the gym that if you want to help me with, you know, we need to get you in four days a week. Cause you, this is something that you is really going to help you, you know, as a person mindset, stuff like that. This kid who, who a lot of us thought would never play, you know, we thought that, that, you know, at some point he would just, but he kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept, kept, kept watering it, kept watering it. Um, I'll never forget the day. Um, and I might tear up a little bit here. Um, it was two weeks before um, they started his senior season and he hit a massive PR in the squat and jumped up and down, gave the coach behind him a hug, came over to me and said, coach, I love you. Thank you so much for this. And that brings us, you know, that, that was a moment for me. And I remember calling you like, oh my gosh, you know, what a moment for a kid who for seven years, not four, but seven years, watered it, watered it, watered it, watered it. And then out came that word, you know, the, the, the next two words we're going to talk about love and ownership. He took ownership over his development and he loved the process. And Steve put that word out there, Dean. So, and I know it was a big moment for him when he first said that to his players, you know, a very moving moment. Again, you know, most sports, you know, you're talking about toughness and stuff like that. That four letter word, you know, can, can be a scare word. So talk a little bit about how love is, is in your program. Cause it's, it's in there. Yeah. First of all, you know, it's such an honor to work with Steve Jones. I mean, I just, it, it's a clinic every time he has a team meeting. And it, it's just amazing, even being my 26th year at the high school and having been around so many great coaches and, and, and athletes. And we learn from the athletes as much as we do the coaches. It just amazes me in team meetings. I just love continuing, you know, to learn every day from Coach Jones. But his, his quote, love is the greatest counterpunch to fear. Right. Is just something that... Um, is as mind blowing for me as a coach, because, you know, when I first started coaching, it was, Hey, we're going to get after these kids. <laughs> we're going to be the toughest guys on earth. And we're going to practice until we get it right. And, you know, love is not soft as he mentioned. And uh, it's really about, you have to develop coaches out there that are listening. You have to develop relationships with all athletes. And it can't just be the star athletes. It's got to be all athletes. Because if you really want to make a positive impact on everybody's life, the scout team players are just as important as the star players. And that's one thing where I think Steve Jones is off the charts. Unbelievable at is everybody in the program, as we said, during that podcast, he is going to treat and with the utmost respect and try to help everybody get better. But if kids don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care about them. Right. And that's where that relationship is so much. Many times I've sport coaches, Hey, I'm just not getting along with this athlete. And then the athlete says, well, I really don't like this specific coach. Hey, did you guys ever talk? Did you ever communicate? You know, I've made a lot of mistakes with my younger days, you know, of a kid acting a certain way and then saying, okay, this is our rule. And now I'm going to pun punish you for the rule. Right. I remember one time I had an unbelievable thrower, young guy, and he came from a, a very difficult family situation. And I had a rule, Brian, back then. And I was trying to be, I was a young coach trying to, you know, instill some discipline 
as far as a making sure I'm going to keep everything fair and hold everybody accountable. And we had morning practices and I believe it was like a six o'clock morning practice. And I, you know, it's hard for high school kids to get up and get there on time. And, and there was a situation I had a thrower. He, he was, he got there late and, and he, he got there about six twenty. and we were practicing. We were in, and I had this strict rule. Hey, you were running a mile. Right. If you were late, I didn't care if you were 30 seconds late, five minutes late, you were running a mile. And I asked the kid, I said, Hey, you got to run a mile. And, you know, and he, and he was kind of upset and I'm not running a mile. I'm not going to run a mile. And I said, well, Hey, that's the team rule, you know, and I'm trying to keep going and practice. You know how that is, you know, yep. every minute's valuable in practice. And I'm like, Hey, this is, you have to run the mile. This is just the rule. Yep. He goes, I'm not going to run the mile. I said, well, if you don't run the mile, you then, then you got to go home. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the kid didn't run the mile. He went home. He quit. And, you know, I talked to him the next day. And just the way I handled that situation, it was bad on my part. Here he had a situation at home that I can't, I couldn't relate to. Right. Yeah. You know, he was, it, it's such a bad situation. And he had a legitimate excuse and he was running late and he was trying to get there to, to please myself as a coach and his teammates. Right. And he was speeding and then he got picked up by a cop and got a ticket. So yeah. he already came in, you know, the morning of his day of school before his practice. And he was incredibly upset because one, he couldn't afford a speeding ticket. Right. And, and two is, the, the reason why he was late, he didn't get much sleep because of the situation that happened at home that night. Right. And if I would have knew that situation and I would have took a quick five minutes and talked to him on the side, I think I could have took care of that problem right away. Right. I think so we're really reacting. We had a great right? relationship. Yeah. But, you know, looking back, I should have probably just got him off one-on-one -on -one, right off, said, hey, what was the reason why you're late? Blah, blah, blah. And then we could have continued on. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that that's big. But you, you got to care about all your athletes. You know, that love is very important. And when Steve Jones decided to bring this in in the football program, I was like, oh, boy. You know, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. You know, we're yeah. trying as a strength coach. What do we try to do, Brian? We yeah. try to put a suit of armor on them. Yep. We try to build their confidence. They're going to run through a wall. It's physical. And now we're going to use that word love. But when Steve brought up, he changed the word love to care. And he gave the perfect example is, hey, if somebody comes in your house, Brian, you oh, know, what yeah. are you going to do? And you said, obviously, this is something that I can't discuss on the podcast. Right. Because it's not going to, it's not going to turn out good. Right. But he took that chance. Steve Jones took that chance. And I'll tell you, it has been a cornerstone to our program. But I think, I think too, you know, and we talk to athletes a lot about words and actions, right? And, and, you know, you can't just throw a powerful word out there. You can't just throw a powerful word out there without reciprocating it with action, you know? And that's the same thing, you know, in sports advantage, again, love and ownership is a, is a pillar of our culture, you know? Um, and, and as parents, you know, when you send your athlete, and Dean, we've talked about this a lot, you send an athlete into a weight room or into play football or to play swimming or, or baseball, 
you're handing over your most prized possession. Your child, my three kids are my, are my three most prized possessions. Um, and you're putting them in someone else's hands. And as a coach, you're receiving that possession. You better make sure everything you're doing is to make sure you return that possession, you know, hopefully a little bit better um, than when you got it. Um, and so making sure, and we tell our parents this, every time your kid walks through the door, you know, we're going to treat them like they're our own. Um, we're going to push them hard. But at the same time, um, they're going to get treated with the amount of respect they would get at, at home. And love is very powerful and, and the family atmosphere. And I know you can create it anywhere. You can create it at the high school. You can create it at college. You can turn it pro, private sector. But it has to be fostered through actions and repeated actions and repeated actions. And you're not always going to get along. And that's okay. I think in our culture today, you know, everybody thinks that everybody has to get along. That's not okay. There's times you and I have had conversations that we agree or don't agree. I mean, there's times with my staff that we have conversations about program design or about how we handle the situation. We don't agree, but you can never handle the situation if you don't take ownership for your part in it. And taking ownership athletes is the, one of the most important ways for you to grow. You know, you can control your attitude. You can control your effort. A lot of the other things may be out of your control, but every day you walk into the weight room, every day you walk on the practice field, that you hop, hop on the court, you control your attitude and you can control your effort when you're in that practice scenario, when you're in that school scenario, when you're with your friends. So taking ownership of your actions is extremely important. And we talk to our parents about that too, all the time. We can put, you know, we can put the best program together, right? You and I sit there and we'll talk every day. Hey, I'm thinking about doing, you know, hex bar deadlifts combo with a split squat. I'm talking about doing this, but if there's no effort behind the person executing, you're not going to get any gains. Conversely, you know, we could put, you know, something from the 1970s on the board. And if kids just get after and attack it, they're going to get, they're going to get better. They might not get it as, you know, improve as much as something that has some science behind it, but they're still going to get better. So, so taking ownership in your actions as an athlete and as a coach, you have to take ownership. If you're, if you're telling kids to come on time and you're showing up, you know, a few minutes late or kids are arriving, you know, a lot of times before you are, and they're just waiting for you, things like that. How do you expect them to follow suit? So we all have to take ownership for our actions, and that's where growth really happens. The other thing, Brian, you know, we talk about that love part of it, and you know, right. the reason why we do what we do is to make a difference in in, in kids' lives. And um, you know, I think the most rewarding thing that we've had, we've had these conversations numerous times, but people that past athletes that wanted us to be in their weddings, for example. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. th th that's unbelievable. So from our coaching, all of our coaches out there, just understand, you know, some kids, some athletes are going to be very grateful during the time. And, and that's very rewarding. And they might say that, but to, to think of a high school kid to be able to be that mature and say, Hey coach, I really appreciate you, how hard you work and what I'm learning. And, and this is making me a better person. Isn't going to happen you know, at that instant, but coaches understand that, you know, the, the true value of what kind of job we do and the impact we make on kids might be 20 years down the line. 
Right. And I just got an email from Darren Charles. And you know Darren Charles. Oh, yeah. Went, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was on our state champion 2000 uh, team, football team at Oshkosh North. And, and he was just an unbelievable athlete. And then he became a Wisconsin Badger. And that's where you got to know Darren as well. Yep. He just sent me an email just the other day. And coach thanking me. And that was in 2000 when he graduated, thanking me for everything that I have taught him. And he's out living in Los Angeles right now. Yep. And he's very successful. So coaches, it might be a situation where you really truly don't know the positive impact you are making until years down the line. Right. And just that email of Darren sharing that with me just made my day. And then athletes out there, you got to understand, even if you don't gel with a coach and you might not agree with a coach's decision. I've been around enough coaches to understand that all coaches have your best interest. They really do. Right. And how you see something and they see something <clears throat> might be a little bit different at the time. Maybe you're better athletically, but maybe in a team setting, you're not the best fit with those type of people, for example, on the basketball court. So maybe you don't play as well. That's why a lot of all-star teams, a lot of times aren't the most successful teams. They might have the best athleticism, but they don't work together. And you have to understand that as an athlete. And that's what we talk about multiple sports. You know, we talked about Alec Ingold and he was an unbelievable wrestler and played all different types of sports as you can learn from every coach. And that's why it's so important to be a multiple, multiple sport athlete, because, you know, our coaching staff, I think if we have 14 coaches, there's going to be a connection with a person on that staff. It might not be your unit coach, your position coach, but you are going to have a connection with somebody and they're going to be there to help guide you, not only in the practice and the game, but throughout your whole four years, for example, if you're a high school kid and to help and guide you and steer you in the right direction. So coaches, I think that's great advice. You're doing great things. Everybody's working hard. You understand why you got into coaching. Yep. Two athletes, hey, you got to understand coaches really want you to be successful. And if you're having that difficult time and you guys aren't having a great communication process, guess what? The coach has got a lot on his plate. As an athlete, you got a lot. But you have to, as an athlete, go and speak to the coach one-on-one -on -one and find out, hey, what can I do to get better? What can I do? But you can't assume that the coach can read your mind. And right. then three, for the parent, parents that are out there, because I just got a bunch of my students. This is awesome. Yesterday in, in class, hey, my dad listened to the podcast. He loves it. So the, I know we got parent listeners out there too, Brian. Yeah, and yeah. parents, you got to understand, you know, if your son or daughter comes home, you know, and, and they're saying something, it might not be the true story. Right. There, there might be a miscommunication link there. So parents, the best case of advice I can give you is if your son or daughter comes home frustrated one time, and it's no different than we go to work and some days we get frustrated in real life or our relationship you know, in any type of relationship, whether you're a father, son, you know, mother, daughter, whether it's a husband, a wife, you have to be able to communicate. And my best advice would be to tell my son or daughter, hey, you need to set up a meeting with your 
coach, and then communicate and work that out. And I think that says a lot when athletes will do that instead right. of having go vent to the parent, and then the parents only hearing one side of the story. And believe me, we all, like you said, your prized possessions, your son or daughter. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to believe everything, and right? right. My, my son and daughter weren't, weren't perfect. Nobody's are perfect. Right. But understand, make sure you take care of that communication. Have them work that out before you start going and start talking to the head coach. Right. It's because a great head coach lesson. has got a million things going on. Right. Such a great life lesson, right? To advocate for yourself. And even Alec talked about that with like talking to a strength coach. Yep. And um, I think, you know, a lot of times, and as a coach, you know, I'll speak to this. If an athlete takes time out of his schedule, because I know our athletes are busy too, and says, hey, coach, can you sit down with me for 15, 20 minutes? I just want to talk about some things. Automatically, the, you know, the hard conversations, a lot of times people get defensive, right? And if someone takes the lead and says, hey, you know, coach, could I, could I come talk to you for like 15, 20 minutes? Or conversely, as an athlete, say, hey, you know, Dean, you know, I, I saw you practice the other day. I'd like to talk to you about a couple of things, you know, just come on to my office. Automatically, it softens the meeting that you're going to have, right? And you can have an open conversation. I think being honest and things like that is very important. So, you know, taking ownership in, in those things is very important. Ryan, as we wrap up here, this has been awesome. I just, yeah. I love talking to you and we're <laughs> I love it too. Together. I know. I know. I hope our listeners are enjoying it as much as us, <laughs> but I just want to, you know, really thank all the listeners out there. I mean, the positive feedback I have gotten from, you know, current students, past students, yeah. um, and coaches. You know, I've had a wonderful opportunity to work with so many great coaches. And in and what you have shared with me from you know, your people at Sports Advantage and so many people are getting so much out of this podcast. I just want to thank everybody out there. Yes. And, you know, please share the information because this is new to us, this podcast. This is just something that, you know, we had a mission we wanted to do and give back to all coaches and athletes and parents and anybody that wants to listen out there that, you know, has a passion to get better in anything that they do. And, you know, if you can share that information, I've heard some FIED teachers, you know, emailed and called me and said, Hey, we're using this as a virtual assignment. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing up this podcast as conversations in our weight room, in our teams. Right. And, you know, it's colleges, it's high schools, it's a lot of people, business people that I know have been calling and saying, Hey, we're using some of this stuff in our meetings for the meeting of the week for business, we're going over some of these things that you were talking about yep. because a lot of our employees were past athletes. They had that high school experience. So again, you know, I'm overly excited here, Brian, but yeah, I know, I'm I having a great it. time with this <laughs> podcast. We got some unbelievable guests coming up. Oh yeah. I think, um, you know, and like Dean said too, I, I think, you know, maybe part of the reason we're doing this is we talk on the phone pretty much, you know, every day, I think our wives are probably looking at the cell phone. So we're like, maybe we start a podcast, we can talk a little bit more and we get some, some other advice for some other people. But, you know, just want to reiterate to everyone, you know, we dropped the podcast Monday morning. And the reason we do that is, you know, we're big believers in starting fast and making sure you start your week off on the right, on the right note. So again, positive information that that's what we're trying to give you. Um, 
trying to give you gold nuggets, whether you're a business person, athlete, whatever, that you can listen to and be like, I want to, maybe, maybe you implement one thing in your week. You know, we talk about getting better and stuff like that. Maybe it's just, you know what, I'm going to face all adversity this week with a positive attitude and go from there. And if I can do that, then maybe next week I'm going to, I'm going to believe in myself and build more confidence, stuff like that. So wholesale changes have to start very simple. And we have to do that. But that's why we drop them on Monday morning. So if you're in your car, driving to school, coaches, listen to it. That way you have something to feed to your kids, you know, throughout the week. Kids, if you're listening to it, it's a great way. Maybe you're coming off a Friday, you know, football game or football loss or win. And you want to, you know, get back into, you know, the momentum that you had, things like that. Listen to this in the morning. Get your week started off right. Um, want to share our next week's guest. We are, we are overly excited about our next week's guest is AJ Klein played for the Buffalo Bills. He's a former Kimberly papermaker. Um, AJ has got some great stories uh, that he's going to share with everybody. Uh, so that'll be next week's, but hopefully this will help you guys sharpen your edge. All right. And we will see you guys next week. Chop it. <laughs>